Last week, we looked at two important things about the giant called jealousy. We learned to pick up on its presence and to know where it comes from. Today, we'll be continuing with two more things we need to know to defeat jealousy. This message is the 10th in the series, Gigantic. The message is entitled, A Giant Called Jealousy, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, and we're going to get ready to dive right into today's message. We're involved in an exciting series of messages. Actually, we're uh, moving forward for a number of weeks now in a series entitled Gigantic. This is actually week number 10 in our series. There are two more weeks left in the series, so don't miss next weekend and the following weekend. In just a moment, I'll tell you what those two weekends are going to be about, what we'll talk about in terms of it. But this weekend, we're wrapping up the theme of jealousy. We started it last weekend. We're talking about giants in Inside of us. There's a great story in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David conquering Goliath, and about everybody knows that story and how David withstood a giant that no one else was willing to fight, and how he, through the grace and power of God, uh, slayed Goliath. It's a great story, great story of faith, and many times we use that story to think about the big problems we experience in life and how those seem like Goliaths to us and how God helps us to overcome obstacles and problems on the outside of life, life circumstances. But sometimes the biggest giants you'll ever face are the giants you face on the inside. The things that rise up inside you and nobody else may know about them, but they're living in your life and you have to contend with them. And for four weeks we talked about a giant called soul pain, how all of us have pain in our soul and how sometimes a broken heart, a hurt place inside of us can be a giant that dictates and controls our lives for many, many years keeps us from being everything that God wants us to be. And then we talked about a giant called anger and how all of us have to deal with that. Sometimes it rises up and it intimidates us and takes control of our lives and keeps us again from being all that God wants us to be. And so for two weekends, we talked about that giant called anger. How do you, con- how do you conquer it? And then two more weekends, we talked about a giant called worry and how we overcome worry in our lives because it, it can be very, very intimidating how fear rises and worry, anxiety will, will grip us and rip apart our lives in so many ways. Last weekend, I started talking about a giant called jealousy, and I want to continue that and wrap up that theme this weekend. Next weekend, as I mentioned, we'll we'll continue on with the series, and for two weekends, I'm going to talk to you about a giant called lust and how that giant inside of us can actually wreak a lot of havoc in our lives, and all of us need to be aware of how to overcome that as well. Last weekend, related to the giant called jealousy, we talked about the first thing that you have to do if you're going to overcome it. You have to pick up on its presence. You have to realize when it's there, and I talked about the fact that jealousy is very subtle, it's very easily justified, that when you're feeling jealous about something, you don't always recognize that's happening in your life and how you need to be aware. I gave you some symptoms, some signs to recognize jealousy when it shows up in your life. And then I also talked about knowing where it comes from. The Bible is very clear that jealousy, this sense of worry, concern, frustration about what somebody else has that we don't have, what somebody has that we want or feel like we deserve. The Bible says that it originates with Satan himself, with Lucifer. It's demonic in origin. We'll see that again in a few moments, how Satan actually was jealous of the glory of God, and that's what caused Lucifer, Satan, to be cast out of heaven because of this pride and jealousy that was a part of his heart and mind, if you will, in heaven. 
And then we talked about the fact that jealousy resides inside of us. It comes not only from the outside, demonic influences and sources, but also inside of us. It's a part of our sinful nature to compare ourselves with other people and to put other people down so that we can feel better about ourselves. And all these things are issues that we have to deal with on the inside. And today, this week, I'm going to talk to you about two more things that you need to know. This will complete four things you understand about jealousy. The first thing today is you must know if you're going to conquer jealousy, you must know where it leads. You must know where it leads. Jealousy is not a passive force. Jealousy is a very active force when it gets a place in your life. And when, it, when you give jealousy room inside your heart, it's going to lead you someplace. It's going to lead you to bad places in your life. What I did in preparation for this, me- this message is I actually went back through the Bible and took a look at some of the stories, not all the stories, but some of the stories that really give us pictures of jealousy in people's lives in the Bible and how it affected people, where jealousy led them. Let me quickly take you on a tour through Scripture. We're going to make seven stops on a quick, if you will, tour through the Bible. So seven quick stops uh, of reference points so you'll get some stories about jealousy and see the ugliness and the ugly places where it leads people. We'll stop, first of all, in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis in chapter 4. By the time we get to chapter 4, the Bible says that Adam and Eve have been in the Garden of Eden. God had told them, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They've decided to eat of that tree anyway. And that's where we find what's called original sin. Adam and Eve fall to sin. Their lives are devastated by sin. And then they're cast out of the garden. The Bible tells us that Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. And when you get to chapter 4, you find out that there was a time, we don't know exactly when in history it was, but we, we read about the time that Cain and Abel approached God with offerings. And the Bible says that Cain brought an offering from the fruit of the ground, and Abel brought an offering from the first fruits of his herds. And the Scriptures tells us that God accepted Abel's offering but did not accept Cain's offering. Now, you might say, well, why would God accept one offering and not the other? That's, uh, there's a whole lot of reasons that I could tell you about today, but it's not our purpose to talk about that in this particular message. I'll save that for another time. But what you need to understand is that one offering pleased God and the other offering didn't. And when Cain realized that Abel's offering was pleasing to God and his was not, instead of dealing with that issue with God himself, he turned on his brother and he became jealous of Abel. And that jealousy produced anger inside of him, and the jealousy and anger in tandem resulted, even after being warned by God, it resulted in Cain murdering his brother. See, jealousy leads to bad places. Let's take just a tour a little bit further into the book of Genesis. Let's go, in fact, to chapter 37 of the book of Genesis. Let me quickly tell you the story of someone most of you are familiar with. His name is Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? Joseph is a young man at 17 years of age. God gave him an incredible dream about his future, that he's going to be a ruler. And he shares this dream with his his father and with his brothers. And his brothers become jealous of the fact that God had something unique that he wanted Joseph to do with his life. And so all of his brothers, out of this jealousy, begin to plot against their brother Joseph. The Bible tells about a time when Joseph is sent by his father Jacob out to take some, uh, get some news from his brothers out in the pasture land. So Joseph, in approaching the brothers, they see him from a distance, and their jealousy rises up, and their response is, let's kill him, let's kill him now. 
Now, they threw him down into a cistern, the Bible says, into a deep well as they're working their plan in terms of how they're going to kill him. And then one of the brothers makes a comment, we shouldn't really do this. This is not the right thing to do. Instead of killing him, we're going to sell him into slavery. And so what happened was this. The brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery. They were the first recorded human traffickers because of jealousy. They sold someone into slavery all because they were jealous in their heart. They went back, told a lie to their father that that Joseph had been killed. And so you see deception, human trafficking as a part of jealousy. Let me take you now to the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is our third stop on our quick journey through the Bible. Let me talk to you about a king, the first king of Israel by the name of Saul. And in chapter 18 of 1 Samuel, it follows obviously on the heels of 1 Samuel chapter 17. And in that chapter, David has slain Goliath. And when David comes back into the city, it's been a great, great event, David slaying Goliath. And everybody's singing a song. You know the song they were singing? Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. Now think about that for a moment. If you're the king and everybody's singing, hey, yeah, you've, you've slain thousands, But this young man has slain tens of thousands. And instead of turning in that moment and honoring David for the way God had used him, the Bible says that Saul became jealous in his heart. Over time, he begins to pursue David, trying to destroy him. But what I want you to see, and you can read about this in 1 Samuel 18 and all the way through the latter part of 1 Samuel, you'll find out that what happened with Saul is that his jealousy resulted in insanity. It made him insane. You ever known a person before? We call them insanely jealous. You ever heard that before, that phrase? Well, Saul was not just insanely jealous. He was jealous to the point of insanity, true insanity he experienced in his life. Let me take you now further into the Old Testament to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6. And of course, Daniel, one of the great men of the Old Testament, an amazing man, an amazing administrator. He was placed in Babylon after the Babylonian captivity as a part of that Babylonian exile from Israel. And then, of course, after Babylon was conquered by the Persians, Daniel had assumed a position of leadership in the Babylonian uh, Empire, and he moves into a position of leadership in the Persian Empire as well. He does such a great job that the Persian king says, we're going to promote this guy. We're going to give him a promotion. He's, he, this guy is excellent. This guy is amazing. But all of Daniel's peers didn't like his promotion. You ever been in a situation before where somebody got promoted and the peers didn't like it? This is what's going on. And so the peers say, we've got to do something. Let's create a law. So we can't, we can't make Daniel culpable in any area of his work, his responsibility, but we can get him in regards to his religion, his relationship with God, because we know he's a prayer. And so they established a law in the land that no one could pray except to the king. And of course, Daniel continued to pray to God. And he was thrown into the lion's den. Of course, God delivered him. But what I want you to see is that Daniel's enemies plotted his destruction all out of a spirit of jealousy. Are you beginning to see this things all through the Bible, isn't it? Amen? All through the Bible. Let me take you into the New Testament because you might think, well, that's just the Old Testament. No, no, it's not. It's in the New Testament too. In John chapter 11, Jesus, uh, the, we find the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It's an amazing moment. Now, wouldn't you think if somebody's been dead for four days and, and, and someone comes along and miraculously raises this person from the dead, everybody would have been celebrating, right? 
Everybody would have been happy. Everybody would have been thrilled. But guess what? Not everybody was thrilled with what Jesus did. In fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll find out there are a lot of times that people should have been happy with what Jesus was doing, but they weren't very happy because it affected them in a negative way. And the Pharisees and the priests of Israel during that time, after hearing of this resurrection of Lazarus and hearing also all the people beginning to praise Jesus for what He had done, they formed resentment and jealousy in their heart. It was at that moment that they began in earnest their plot to bring about the crucifixion of Jesus. So what you see is that even in the crucifixion of Christ, jealousy had a part to play. See, the priests, the Pharisees, weren't getting the attention they used to get. How about the apostles? Did the apostles ever get jealous? Oh, you better believe they did. There are a number of times the apostles got jealous. In fact, the Bible says one time they got in an argument as to who the greatest was among them. I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. I'm better. He likes me better than he does you. Okay. Can you imagine the 12 men we call the apostles? Can you just envision them fighting over who was the best one? Does it sound like us? Of course it does. But let me take you to one example of this. Very powerful example in John chapter 21. All these stories are important because I'm taking you somewhere with this. So this is biblical background. Everybody say biblical background, okay? See, let me tell you what a preacher does. A preacher gives you the Bible, amen, okay? I'm not here to give you my thoughts. I'm here to give you the Bible. So that's why you need to go back to these passages and read them and study them because we're not just talking about psychology here. We're talking about the Bible, okay? We're talking about what God's Word says. And the Bible says that after Jesus was raised from the dead... He goes and finds Peter because Peter was moping a little bit because he had felt like he'd failed Jesus so much. And Jesus comes to him and brings about, of course, that great restoration, asks him, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, yes, yes. And then Jesus does something interesting to Peter in the midst of all the other disciples. Jesus says to Peter, hey, Peter, by the way, here's what's going to happen to you when you get old. You're going to be led away. And in essence, Jesus said, you're going to be martyred. Now, folks, I don't know if you have thought of that before, but that's probably not the personal prophecy you want to receive, okay? You're going to die. You're going to be martyred for the faith. And here is Peter hearing again for the first time that his life is going to end and him giving himself in martyrdom for faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, he did not really want to accept that. And so he starts looking around at the other guys that were in the picture at that moment. And he spots John and he says, how about him, Jesus? What's going to happen to him? You've been there, haven't you? What about him? What Peter was thinking is, I hope something worse is going to happen to him than me, okay? But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, Peter, if he hangs around till I come back again, what is that to you? Follow me. See, Jesus in that moment addressed the jealousy in Peter's heart. In, in Acts chapter 17, as Paul goes to a place called Thessalonica, he begins to preach the gospel, and many Jews begin to respond the Bible says that the other Jews in the city turned against Paul and wanted to kill him and destroy him because, verse 5 says, because they were jealous. Do you see this over and over and over again? Jealousy leads to bad places. Say that with me. Jealousy leads us to bad places. Read with me again James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. Let's read together. 
But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and circle that word again. Where does it come from? It's demonic, the Bible says. Then verse 16, here we go. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Listen as I read this from the voice paraphrase or, or translation. If your heart is one that bleeds dark streams of jealousy and selfishness, don't be so proud that you ignore your depraved state. The wisdom of this world should never be mistaken for heavenly wisdom. It originates below in the earthly realms with the demons. Any place where you find jealousy and selfish ambition, you will discover chaos and evil thriving under its rule. The Bible says that when there is jealousy in a person, when there's jealousy in an environment, it always leads to disorder. It always leads to chaos. It always leads to evil of every kind. Evil thrives in an atmosphere of jealousy. Jealousy leads us to bad places. Let me quickly give you six consequences of jealousy, the bad places that jealousy will lead you. First of all, jealousy will make you miserable. When you're jealous, let me tell you what you are also, you're miserable. Because when you're spending your time comparing yourself with somebody else or what somebody else has, it means you're not happy with you. It makes life miserable for you. Second of all, jealousy shrinks our soul. What jealousy will do to you when you're spending again your time comparing yourself with the advantages of someone else, paying attention to what they have that you don't have, putting yourself beside them and thinking their life is better than yours, whatever your jealous issues might be, the Bible teaches us that what happens, it makes us smaller on the inside. It takes your heart, and instead of making it larger, which is a good thing, because God is a God of a big heart, God wants your heart to be big, what jealousy does is it keeps shrinking you down until you become a little person. We call them petty people, okay? And they're, they're always protecting themselves, and they're always about them, and they're always worried about their own life and their own turf and their own territory. You ever met a person like that before? Hey, don't get into my world. Don't get into my, that's my stuff, okay? And so they live this very closed-in, petty, restricted, small kind of life. And folks, let me tell you, there's nothing worse than to have a small heart because when you have a small heart, there's nothing that flows out of you. you try, you're always trying to pull everything into you. And God says, I want to enlarge your heart. And jealousy shrinks your soul. Number three, here's an important thing to remember. Jealousy makes you unsociable. And I would hope you want friends in your life, okay? Maybe there are a few of you that are so antisocial, you just don't want anybody in your life. But I hope you want some friends in your life. But let me tell you something. The Bible says if you want friends, you've got to be friendly, okay? If you want friends, you've got to have some attitudes about your life that make you somewhat sociable. At least people are able to connect with you. And the Bible says when you're jealous, let me ask you, do you like to be around jealous people? Do you want them really? Do you, when you say, hey, you know what? I want some new friends. Let me see if I can find the most jealous people. I'd love for them to be my best friend. No, you don't do that. Whether you realize it or not, you filter those people out of your life. When you see them coming, you run the other way. Why? Because they don't make good friends. And I'll tell you that if you're jealous, you don't make a good friend either. And if it's a part of you, you might wonder, why don't I have any friends in my life? You know, sometimes the best thing you can do when you don't have any friends is go look in the mirror. 
and ask yourself a few questions. What's going on with me, okay? What do I need to do? What do I need to change? The good thing is that God is a God of grace. He can change us, amen? And sometimes we need some changes in our life that will help us to be more sociable. And one of those things that ruin you in your social relationships, your friendships, is being jealous. Number four, it creates turmoil in your life, inner and outer. I'm not going to talk about the inner. I talked about that a moment ago in terms of your misery when you're jealous. Let me talk about the outer turmoil. Any of you ever worked in an office environment where there were a lot of jealous people? Raise your hand, okay? About half of you have, okay? If you've ever worked in an office environment anywhere or been on a team where there's a lot of jealousy going on, you know what happens in that environment? It's not just you or the people that are, that, are, that are jealous that are miserable. It creates misery everywhere. The Bible says when there's jealousy, it creates disorder and chaos. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who to say what to and who's going to say what behind your back because everybody's trying to make their, kind of making their way for their jockeying for their own positions and working life and politicizing things around. It's all about that. Folks, let me encourage you as a believer in Jesus Christ, don't fall into that garbage, okay? Don't let that be a part of your life. Be a light in your office, amen? When everybody else is playing the jealousy game and the politic game, say, you know, I don't play that game, okay? I don't know that game. I don't play that game. Why? Because what you're doing, you're bringing light. You're bringing blessing into a place that otherwise will be cursed with chaos. Number five, it makes you vulnerable to all kinds of evil. I'll let you write that word down. I want to talk to you very quickly about it because you you, you got to get this. Jealousy, when it's in your life, is going to make you vulnerable to a lot of other evil things. What I mean by that is this. I'll use this term. I believe that jealousy is what I would call a gateway sin. Most of us have heard the phrase gateway drugs. You've heard the phrase gateway drugs before. You know what a gateway drug is? A gateway drug is a drug that doesn't seem to, it seems to be innocuous, not that big of a deal. But the problem is you begin to partake of that drug, and that drug opens the door, if you will. It opens the gate to you beginning to participate in other kinds of things, other kinds of drugs. And so we refer to certain drugs as gateway drugs, certain attitudes or behaviors as gateway attitudes or behaviors that leads to other things. And jealousy is like that. When you begin to let jealousy in your life, it, that gate towards sin begins to open up. That's, where the, that's why the Bible says where there's selfish ambition and jealousy, there's evil of every kind. And I've watched it over the years in people's lives. Once jealousy gets in, all kind of other stuff gets in to their life as well. It opens up the gate, the floodgate, to the infiltration of the adversary. And folks, none of us need that and none of us want that. So shut down jealousy. Then the last thing I want you to note here in this point, jealousy leads to bad places. It makes you miss the unique blessing God has for you. When you are so concerned about what God's doing or what's in somebody else's life or what you think they have that you don't have or comparing yourself with someone else, when you're always thinking about all the stuff, the blessings they have, guess what you're not thinking about? All the blessings you have. I'm going to come back to that point in a moment, but please realize this is very big because whenever you're looking out in jealousy, you're missing the unique blessing God has for you in the moment. So let's go to our next point as we're heading toward the, the wrap-up today. Second major point here is you need to know what to do to defeat jealousy in your life. You've got to know what to do. 
How do you conquer it? When jealousy shows up in your life, I assure you it's not going to go away on its own. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to take some steps. There's some activity that you're, have to, you're going to have to engage in. You have to go on the offense. You can't just sit back and hope, well, I just hope it'll finally get out of my system. No, jealousy doesn't get out of your system without you getting it out of your system. Did you hear what I just said? You've got to get it out. You've got to do something that expels it. But you have to know what to do that will expel it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you three things that you can do to expel jealousy from your life. But don't look at your notes right now. Look at me, all right? Because I don't want you to see what I'm going to say. We're going to go one by one because each of these three points are very important. So I don't want you to see them before we read them together, all right? Very, very important. No cheating. Everybody says no cheating, all right? Don't look at, the, look, don't look at that note, okay? No, don't do it. No cheating. Because I want you to understand something before I read these three things and we talk about them. The things I'm going to share with you that will help you conquer jealousy will be some of the hardest things you will ever do in your entire life. This is not going to be easy. It's going to require some real commitment on your part. It's going to require you to rise up and to come against some feelings you have on the inside that you would rather not contend with. I'm going to tell you that what I'm about to read for you, the biblical principles in overcoming jealousy, it's going to be hard. Say it with me. It's going to be Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be hard. Go ahead and tell them it's going to be hard. But tell them this, it's going to be worth it. Tell them it's going to be worth it. Because anything that's worth it is always hard, right? If it has any worth, it has some effort involved. And so, one by one, don't you dare read number two, okay? Don't read number two. Number one, let's read number one together. What's the first thing you have to do to conquer jealousy? Here we go. Pray, read with me. Pray increased blessing on people you believe are already blessed enough. I told you it was hard. When you look around and you see somebody that you feel like they're already blessed enough, I'm sure not going to pray, pray blessings on them. God, and you begin to feel that little tinge of jealousy inside of you. You know what you need to pray? God, just bless them even more. I mean, when she looks so good and you think, how could she look so good? Ladies, when you find that lady that looks a whole lot better, you think, than you do, just pray, God, make her even more beautiful. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Did I tell you it's hard? Okay. When you find that person that's lost a whole lot more weight on the same diet you tried to. And you want to curse them in a Christian way. Instead of doing so, God bless them. May they even be more fruitful on that diet than ever before, God. Bless them. When you see somebody living in a house that you wish you lived in, say, God, give them two houses like that. 
When somebody's driving a car that you wanted, but you, didn't, you weren't able to afford it, but they're driving along, you pray, God, help them make the payments in Jesus' name, okay? <laughs> right? Right? It's hard. Turn to somebody and say, he told the truth. It's hard, okay? You want to conquer jealousy? You got to pray increased blessings on people you believe are already blessed enough. See, we have our opinions on people we think they're already blessed enough, God. Hey, how about me for a moment, okay? They're good, okay? They're good, God. They're all good, okay? How about me? No, God says, no, you start praying blessings. Second of all, now don't read the third one, okay? Just the second one. Are you ready? Number two, be grateful for what you've got. Whoa. I told you it's going to be hard. I reminded you last weekend, I want to remind you again, whether you realize it or not, you are blessed. You say, well, pastor, I've got all these problems. I have all these challenges in my life. I want you to know that if you're a Christian believer, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you've got the greatest blessing of all. There's nothing you could ask for that's greater than that, okay? If you prayed a prayer one day, Jesus, I repent of my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and be my Savior and Lord, let me tell you what the Bible says happened to you. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, marked all your sins as forgiven, wrote your name in the book of life, gave you a free ticket to heaven by the, by the fact that He purchased it. It, it wasn't free by, by reason of just simply being cheap, it was free because he paid for it for you and he gave it to you and said, now you can spend eternity with me by grace. I am your Savior. I'm your Lord. You belong to my family. I love you. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. Whatever you go through, I'm there for you. I'm your friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you've met Jesus, you are blessed, okay? Now, do you have some problems? Yeah, you might have some problems. All of us do. But please remember something. If you know Jesus Christ, if that's the only thing you've got going for you, that's the greatest thing you'll ever have going for you. So you come to the point in your life of saying, you know what, God, I don't know all the stuff that everybody else has and all the things they, 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 they're able to feel blessed about, but God, I want to start by thanking you for what you blessed me with. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. My name is in the book of life. I belong to your family. You're my Father. The Holy Spirit lives inside of me. I'm a new creation in Christ. I have eternal life. God, I am thankful to you. I am grateful for your blessing in my life. Let me tell you what I've learned about Thanksgiving. I've learned because I love to study words too. I think it was Joel Abel a couple of weeks ago that talked about his love of words. I'm very similar. I love words. I've never met a dictionary I didn't like. Okay? I love words because words, these words are the way you get meaning to life. Okay? And many years ago, I started thinking about this word thanks started contemplating, what does it mean to thank? What is thank all about? I did some research on the word historically. And the word thank originally comes from a word that means to think. You can't think, you can't thank without what? Thinking. There's another part of thank that is equally important. Thanks always implies giving, okay? Not getting. When you thank, you're not getting. What are you doing? You're giving. So thank is always about thinking and giving. Say it with me. Thank is always about thinking 
and giving. So for me to be thankful, I have to stop and take time to think about what I can be thankful for. And then I must move beyond the thinking to the giving of thanks. See, my wife can prepare a beautiful meal for me and I can think at the table, wow, I really appreciate this. But guess what? I haven't really been thankful until I actually say to her, thank you, honey, that was a phenomenal meal. I thought it, but the thought was not completed until I gave it away. And what you must understand about being thankful for what you have is you think it, yes, you begin to think about, how am I blessed? Here's you an exercise for this weekend. Go home and write down what you're thankful for. Put it on a card. In those moments when you feel like somebody has a whole lot more than you do, pull your card and say, well, look what I've got, okay? Look at what I've got. And you begin to think up. Then it prompts you to begin to give thanksgiving to God for his blessings in your life. And so how do you conquer jealousy? Not easy. But you've got to pray blessings on people that you think are already blessed enough. And you've got to start giving thanks, being grateful for what you've got. And here's our third one. Read it together with me, right? You need to praise and promote the people who are the, are the objects of your jealousy. Oh, no, did he say that? No, 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 no. Praise, come on, let's read it again. Praise and promote the people who are the objects of your jealousy. Drew, run up here real quickly if you don't mind. I'll illustrate it this way. This is Drew Clyde, part of our team here. Let's just, let me illustrate it this way. Let's say that Drew and I work, get real close to him. Yes, okay, don't get so far away, all right. Let's say that we work in the same office together in a business somewhere. And we're, we're both salespeople, okay? We're both selling the same product, for example, okay? So both of us are widget salesmen, okay? And so as we're out selling our widgets, Drew is tearing me up. Man, he's selling like 25 widgets to every one widget I sell, okay? I mean, he's knocking it out of the park. And we come into our sales management meetings, and every week, who's it all about? Drew. Drew, 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 Drew. And I'm sitting in the sales meeting, and what am I feeling? What am I starting to feel? Come on, don't be so super spiritual, okay? <laughs> I'm starting to feel jealous because, hey, what, what's, what's he got that I don't have? Why, he get, why is he making all this and I'm not? Look at all the money he's making. Look at what he's doing. I mean, what's going on here? Before long, if I'm not careful, jealousy start rising in me. And what I will do if I'm not careful, I will find ways to try to start distancing myself from Drew because I'm jealous of him. And I will try to start putting him down in the eyes of other people, right? Oh, he's not really that big of a deal anyway. Well, he, it's just he happens to have some really unique connections, okay? He's really not that great of a salesman after all. And so what happens, we start, we start rationalizing. We start finding ways to put down and diminish the one that we are jealous of. Now, please understand something as a quick digression. When you're doing that, the only person you're, try, you're deceiving is you. Everybody else gets it. They know why you're doing that, okay? They understand that you're doing it because you're jealous, okay? 
and you're just trying to diminish him to make you feel better. Now, here's the right way to do it, okay? The right way to handle jealousy towards someone that you have, a, have, a, have an issue like that with is to actually begin to praise and promote the one you're jealous of. Just to come up to Drew and say, hey, Drew, man, I'm so excited about the fact that you're selling widgets. That means there must be a widget market out there, okay? Because if you're selling them, I mean, somebody must be wanting to buy them. So, man, you're doing some phenomenal things. In fact, I'd love to learn what I can learn from you because it would help me to be a better salesman myself. And I just want you to know that, man, I'm behind you. I'm excited for what you're doing. And I'm excited for what's happening for our company because you're a part of it. And before long, and I start, hey, guys, did you know what? In, instead of just the sales manager promoting what Drew's doing, I'm going to go around and become his PR agent. Hey, did you hear what Drew's, Drew's doing a great job? Now, the key has to be sincere, okay? <laughs> See, you thought, okay, I can do that until I add the sincere part, right? But that takes some praying to get to that point, doesn't it? To sincerely praise and promote someone that you're jealous of. That woman that is so beautiful, and you think, my goodness, how did she get so pretty, ladies? You think, oh, you go to her and say, you look so beautiful today. And I'm praying you'll become even more beautiful. <laughs> that person that has that car that you wanted to say, you know what, that's a, that's, that's a fantastic car. I'm sure you're enjoying that. But what you do is you step outside of your world and you praise and promote somebody else. Thank you, Drew, very, very much. You are a good salesman, all right? So what are we learning today? We learned that if you let jealousy in, where is it going to take you? Hey, it's going to take you to some really bad places. The choice is yours. You can be led along to some bad places if you want to be, but I don't want to go there. And you can conquer jealousy by God's grace. How do you conquer it? Let's review again. You bless people that you feel are already blessed enough. You remember and you're grateful for what you've got. And then you praise and promote people that are the objects of your jealousy. And what that will do is it will put you in a position of looking at that giant called jealousy and pulling out one of those stones like David did and casting it in God's power and seeing the giant fall. Amen. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts by your word. I pray you'd seal this in us. Help us to live it out, God. We need the power of the Spirit to do this. We can't do it ourselves. And I pray for every jealous moment in our lives, every person that might be struggling with jealousy today, I pray that this would be a moment of release for them through the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. 
Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and he saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.